We are glad that you are back with us today. I am Chris Oren, and here is our teacher, Dr. Ruth, with more explanation about the division of the land after the conquest of the Promised Land. Welcome, this is Dr. Ruth. Praise the Lord. I am excited you are with me today as we continue our study in the Old Testament. We are in the book of Joshua. And uh, we will cover in today's sessions Joshua chapters 17, 18, and 19. If you recall, we left off at Joshua chapter 16 with the allotment or division of the land to the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. So chapter 17 really is a continuation of chapter 16. So what is the gist of chapter 17? The gist of chapter 17 is that we will learn further about the allotment for the tribe of Manasseh as Joseph's firstborn. And just as an FYI, for those of you who have not listened to me before, I had said earlier that human beings somewhere around the 14th to 16th century added chapters and verses to the Bible. So before that time, to the Jews, each book was just one running theme with no chapter division or verses. So a classic example is seen here in chapter 17, which is a continuation from where we left off in chapter 16. Just so you know, Joshua 17 verse 1. This was the allotment for the tribe of Manasseh as Joseph's firstborn. That is for Machir, Manasseh's firstborn. Machir was the ancestor of the Gileadites who had received Gilead and Bashan because the Machirites were great soldiers. Verse 2, so this allotment was for the rest of the people of Manasseh, the clans of Abizah, Helak, Assyria, Shechem, Hepher, and Shemida. These are the other male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph by clans. So these first introductory verses just set the stage for the uh, division of the remainder of the land to the tribe of Manasseh. But what we are going to find out beginning from verse 3 here, verses 3 through 6, we'll discuss how well, you know what? Let me read verse 3 so it will help you understand better what I am about to say. Verse 3. Now Zelophad, son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Makkah, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters, whose names were Mala, Hoha, Hogla, Milka, and Triba. Let's pause there. If you recall, if you have listened to my teaching in the book of Numbers, we covered this in Numbers chapter 27. So I really highly recommend you go there and refresh your memory if you would like. What the remainder of the verses, meaning verses 4 through 6, are about to talk about is the fact that 
These daughters approached Joshua and the elders of the community of the Israelites to ask for their inheritance because they were females. And like I said in Numbers chapter 27, the Israelite female were not to inherit any land or property. However, because these ladies, as discussed in Numbers chapter 27, went up to Moses and demand their own land because there were no males in their family. They had no brothers. Moses discussed the matter with the Lord and the Lord spoke to Moses to add an extra provision in situations like this, whereby there are no sons or males in the family, but just females, so that the daughters or the females would rightfully inherit their land as well and preserve the family name. I hope you recall that in Numbers chapter 27. So this is what is happening here. These daughters, descendants of Manasseh, came to Joshua to demand their own land because they had no brothers. And the good thing about this, the principle here is that Joshua upheld the law. Joshua did not say, oh, well, we don't do it that way. Joshua obeyed the law of Moses as unto the Lord, and he accepted and uh, blessed them or uh, gave them their own inheritance in the promised land. So really, that is a principle there. Because at times when leaders take over from a previous leader, they don't always adhere to the same principles, even though they should as unto the Lord. But many times, unfortunately, new leaders come on board and they change things. Uh, and they would say something such as, well, we don't normally do it that way. But here we see Joshua again highlighting his obedient heart to the Lord and to the law of Moses, just carrying out the law of Moses as unto the Lord. So that is a principle there because a leader would die, but God's work in the ministry of the leader has to continue as unto the Lord. Okay, already then. Friend, if you have not yet blessed us with a donation, I just want to ask you personally, would you consider helping us with a one-time donation so we can produce more Bible teachings like this and reach many, many more people. And for all of you who have already blessed us with a donation, we say thank you. And please remember, for more of an impact, would you consider becoming a Christ-centered partner with us? All that means is that you will join hands with us and the Lord and you will support us regularly with your prayer and your financial giving. And in return, we will also bless you back. And obviously, God, who is a giver, will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. And you will be making a difference in the lives of hundreds and thousands of others with your financial giving. To become a Christ-centered partner, you can visit our website, drruthtanyi.org and learn more about that. So, before I leave, I just want to say one more time, if the Lord has put it in your heart to give, please don't ignore that. God will bless you back. Please take a step of faith. Visit our website today, Dr. Ruth 
tiny.org slash donate. It is a safe and secure website. Make a one-time donation as you are led by the Lord or consider becoming a partner. And I just want to say thank you in advance for doing so. And I know that God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come to verse 7. Verse 7, really, all the way to the end of this chapter is just talking about how the land was divided, okay, to the territory of Manasseh. So this is self-explanatory. I am going to skip the majority of this, but I will highlight a few verses. So uh, verses 7 through 11, you can read that on your own, uh, pertaining to the territory of Manasseh. That extended from Acre to Menidath, east of Shechem. You can read all of that. I come all the way down to verse 12. I want to read and highlight verse 12. There is a principle here. Yet the Menesians were not able to occupy these towns. These towns referring to the towns in verses 7 through 11, which I am recommending you read on your own because... They are self-explanatory verses. Okay, so going back to verse 12. Yet the Menesites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. Verse 7. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. So we see here how even though Joshua allotted or divided to the uh, tribe of Manasseh their own land, they were still supposed to subdue some of the Canaanites who were living there. But as we just read, they were unable to. And as I have discussed in the past, and as we will find out moving forward in our study of the Old Testament, that was a fatal mistake because... Um, <laughs> The Canaanites that they allowed to live alongside with them would be a thorn in their flesh and cause them much, much trouble. Okay? Verse 14. I really like this because uh, we will learn how Joshua would respond to the people's indecisiveness. Okay. Verse uh, 14. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment? and one portion for an inheritance. We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Verse 15, this is Joshua's response, which I just love. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves there in the land of the parasites and raphetites. Verse 16, the people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Beth Shahan and his settlements and those in the valley of Jezra. Verse 17, but Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the uh, fostered 
hill country as well. Clear it and its furthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron and though they are strong, you can drive them out. I love it. We see Joshua, an elderly man in his mid-80s, encouraging the other tribes that, listen, don't be doubtful, <laughs> be courageous. Even though these Canaanites have chariots, you are numerous, and with the power of God, you can drive them out. I love that encouragement. It just goes to highlight Joshua's faith, courage, even as an older man, still imparting wisdom and encouragement to the congregation. What an excellent leader. And as we will find out, during Joshua's ministry, the Israelites excel exceedingly abundantly. They had plenty of rest. They overcame because they had a powerful and strong leader who displayed faith in God, courage, and the people, and the people, i.e. the Israelites, copied that and they were encouraged as well. So I really wanted to highlight, highlight that even though the, the Israelites from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh were double-minded, they were afraid, Joshua encouraged them. And he continued to encourage the Israelites up until his death. What a powerful man of God. Okay, so that brings us to the end of chapter 17. Okay, let's move right along here to chapter 18, here in the book of Joshua. So what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, we will learn about the allotment or the division of the rest of the land to the Israelites in the promised land. So let us begin. I will read a few verses out of chapter 18 verse 1 the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there let's pause right now right away we are learning that Joshua has removed his camp of operation from Gilead and now they are in Shiloh and as we will learn moving forward here in the Old Testament Shiloh there in the promised land was one of the first places where the uh, tabernacle of the Lord stayed for almost 300 years throughout the history of the judges in the book of Judges and in the lives of the Israelites. We will learn more about that in the very next book, the book of Judges. So Shiloh was the area where the tabernacle stayed due to disobedience of the Israelites, the Lord allowed their enemy, the Philistines, to really conquer them. And at that point, the tabernacle was uh, captured as well. But I wanted to just highlight Shiloh here. This is where the Israelites would camp for about 300 years, okay? So they have moved from Gilead now to Shiloh, okay, and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. Okay, now remember how we talked about this 
in uh, chapter, let me go back here and take a look in chapter 13, how the Lord had advised Joshua that he should go ahead and still divide or appoint the land to other tribes. Even though Joshua was an old man, because the Lord had promised Joshua that he would help them, the Israelites, to over, overcome or conquer these lands. So we are learning now that at this point, when the community of the Israelites relocated to Shiloh, there were still seven Israelite tribes that had not received their inheritance. So uh, we're going to learn how the rest of the land or their inheritance was distributed by Joshua. That is what we will learn in the next upcoming two chapters. Okay, so verse 3. So Joshua said to the Israelites, oh boy, I love this. How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. I like the way Joshua said this. And hopefully you, you get the idea by now that under the leadership of Joshua, the Israelites came straight into the promised land with the help of God, like we talked about earlier. They subdued Jericho, which was one of the most fortified city. And then they went next and subdued Ai and then the various other Amorite kings and their lands. And Joshua began the process of allotting or dividing the captured land and even the ones that the Lord had promised him that they would subdue to the Israelites. So we, we are learning here that even though some of this land had been distributed to the Israelites, each tribe still had the responsibility to subdue the remainder uh, of the land that the Canaanites were still living there. So here we see how Joshua is telling these seven tribes, what is taking you guys so long to just subdue all of the Canaanites there, take all of their land? Why are you waiting too long? This is awesome. Really, the principle here is that of procrastination. Okay, these tribes were procrastinating. And we see Joshua again, a man of faith, saying, what's taking so long? You see, let me talk about procrastination for a minute. When we as God's children keep procrastinate, keep postponing what the Lord is calling us to do, it reveals a few things. Number one, it reveals really lack of discipline. Lack of discipline. Number two, poor time management. We keep postponing. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I will get to it. I will get to it. Okay. <laughs> Number three, it really reveals a, boy, this is not going to sound good to some people, but it's true. A disobedient heart. It really reveals a disobedient heart. Because when the Lord calls us to do something, we have to act swiftly. Because it is him, God, working through us. So I really wanted to highlight that, really, it reveals lack of discipline in our lives, poor time management, and a disobedient heart. And that is not God's best. We can always change and act 
quickly. So if the Lord has placed something in your heart, friend, it is God's will that you act swiftly in obedience and trust him. So that is what Joshua was telling these other tribes. Okay, so he is going to assist them and tell them how to go about this. Verse 4, appoint three men from each tribe. I will send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each. Then they will return to me. Verse 5, you are to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph in the territory on the north. Verse 6, after you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me and I will cast lots for you in the presence of the Lord our God. This is really, let me talk about casting lots. Um, here's the deal. During the Old Testament time, like I have said over and over, the Holy Spirit, who is God, has always been present since the beginning of creation. However, the Holy Spirit was not indwelling the Old Testament people. Okay? The day of Pentecost had not come. We learned that in the book of Acts. So during the Old Testament era, the Holy Spirit will indwell people for a particular mission. And then after the mission or assignment, the Holy Spirit will depart from them. And we also have discussed how God was guiding the Israelites by cloud during the day and fire by night. He went ahead of them. What's the point? The point is that the Old Testament people were not permanently indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, guidance, and direction. So lot had to be casted. We are not told exactly how this was done, but we discussed this also in the book of Leviticus, how the priests, as part of their garment in the shoulder area, they wore the Urim and Tunamen, which lot would be casted. We don't know how it was done. It could be that they just drew a ballot out of a box, Regardless, Lot would be casted and that process was guided and led by God's spirit for decisions to be made. I am saying this today because as New Testament believers, we do not have to cast lots to make decisions. We do not have to pull a number out of a basin or go to bingo to say, oh my God, I'm going to just pray and choose this number and God will guide me. No, if we are True Christians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He guides us unto all truths. And we have God's revealed word, the Bible, to lead, guide, and shape our lives. So as New Testament believers, we do not cast lots. <laughs> we go to God's word to seek guidance and direction. And we pray and the Holy Spirit will lead us. But back during the Old Testament era, the Holy Spirit was not working in the lives of these people like he is working in our lives today. So lots had to be casted. Okay? So I wanted to really highlight that. So we go to verse, verse 7. It's just talking about how the Levites were not to uh, get a portion of the land. We talked about that already because they were supposed to serve uh, the people as unto the Lord, 
And the rest of that verse there just went on to talk about how the half-tribe of Manasseh already had their land east of the Jordan as Moses had given it to them. We've already talked about that. But later on in chapter 21, still in this book of Joshua, we will learn how the Levites will be blessed with land taken from each of the other tribes. Okay? So in verse 8, we see how Joshua's instructions, like we just went over in verses 3, 4, and 5, they were carried by the men. And we come to verse 9. So the men left and went through the land following Joshua's instructions. And then they came back to Joshua. And then in verse 10, we are told how Joshua then cast lots for them in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. And there he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their tribal divisions. Okay, so we come to verse 11. Verses 11 all the way to... Really, the end of this chapter, we talk about the allotment for the tribe of Benjamin. Now, remember, these are the rest of the tribes that we are going to get into details how the land was divided. And of course, these verses are so self-explanatory. I am going to skip a lot of them. You can go back at your leisure time to read them. But let me highlight a few of them here. Verse 11 now we talk about casting of lots. So Joshua has casted lot, and verse eleven says the first lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin according to his clan. The allotted territory lay between the tribes of Judah and Joseph. So they had a narrow land between those two big tribes' um, inheritance. And verse twelve, all the way to really verse. 19 there is just giving a f uh, details about the division of the land to Benjamin. You can read that on your own. We come to verse 20. The Jordan formed the boundary on the eastern side. These were the boundaries that marked out the inheritance of the clans of Benjamin on all sides. So this is just talking about the boundaries uh, that separated the tribe of Benjamin with the other tribes. Verse 21, the tribe of Benjamin, according to his clans, had the following towns. You can read that on your own. That takes us from verse 21, 22, 24. And that brings us to really the end of this chapter. Verse 28, just talking about the various towns allotted to the tribe of Benjamin in accordance uh, to the Lord's division and their boundaries you can read those verses on your own and then this chapter concluded uh this was the inheritance of benjamin for his clan for his clans rather so that brings us to the end of chapter 18 again just highlighting how the division of the other seven tribes were carried out as unto the lord as joshua casted lots Okay, we continue right away into chapter 19 here in the book of Joshua. So what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, 
This is really the last chapter that will provide details about how the land was distributed among the 12 tribes of Israel. And we are going to learn how the other tribes after Benjamin received their division or received their inheritance. Again, these are self-explanatory, so I will skip a lot of this. Okay, so let me read the first few verses here in chapter 19. The second lot, remember Joshua had casted the lot, and the second lot for who would receive their land came out for the tribe of Simeon, according to his clans. Their inheritance lay within the territory of Judah. Verse 2, it included, so verse 2, all the way to verse 9 there, provides details about the territory and the towns for the tribe of Simeon. You can read that on your own. We come to verse 10. Uh, verse 10 there tells us how the third lot came up for Zebulun according to his clans. So we are going to learn beginning here from verse 10 all the way to verse 16. We talk about how after Joshua casted the lot, the lot rather, and as guided by the Holy Spirit, the third lot landed for the tribe of Zebulun, and Joshua went on to distribute their land. You can read that on your own. Next, we get to verse 17, which will get into details about the allotment for the tribe of Ishka. Verse 17 reads, The fourth lot came out for Ishka according to his clans. Verse 18, the territory included. Uh, verses 18 all the way to 23 describes the towns and the villages allotted to the tribe of Ishka. You can read that on your own. We come to verse 24, which will begin to describe the allotment for the tribe of Asher. Verse 24 reads, The fifth lot came out for the tribe of Asher according to his clans. Verse 25, their territory included that goes on to describe the territory for the tribe of Ashka. The description comes all the way to verse 30. In verse 31, it reads, These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the tribe of Asher according to his clans. We move next to verse 32, which will begin to describe the allotment for the tribe of Naphtali. That uh, verse 32 reads, The sixth lot came out of Naphtali according to his clan. This is interesting. We are told the first lot, the second lot, the third lot. So even though I said earlier, we don't know how Joshua casted the lot, whatever he did, he was naming the lot one tribe after another tribe as directed as unto the Lord. So we are in verse 32, which is the sixth lot belonging to the tribe of Naphtali. The description covers verses 33 all the way to verse 39. You can read all of this during your private time. That brings us to verse 40, which will begin to describe the allotment for the tribe of Dan. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of Dan, according to his clan. Verse 41, all the way to verse 48. 
goes on to describe the uh, territory allotted to the tribe of Dan. We come to verse 49, which would describe the allotment for Joshua. And I want to read this, beginning here in verse 49. When they had finished dividing the land into its allotment or its allotted portions, the Israelites gave Joshua, son of Nun, an inheritance among them. Verse 50, as the Lord had commanded, they gave him the town he asked for, uh, Timnah, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he built up the town and settled there. This is awesome. I really appreciated the way this was done. Joshua, in accordance to God's instructions, led by the Holy Spirit, did the division faithfully, correctly. And after all of that was done, the people as a whole blessed their leader, Joshua, and gave him the desire of his heart. Really just showing how much the people appreciated Joshua. They blessed him abundantly, exceedingly with what he requested. And we are told that he built up the town and settled there. Verse 51. These are the territories that Eliza the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel assigned by Lot, a Shiloh in the presence of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so they finished dividing the land. Awesome. Awesome. Really just highlighting God's faithfulness, Joshua's obedience, and his inheritance and blessing, and all of the 12 tribes were blessed. God's prophecy came to pass. God is awesome. Okay, that brings us to the end of chapter 19. So what are the major principles we have learned from chapters 17, 18, and 19? Really self-explanatory. I have already mentioned this principle number one. God's faithfulness was seen in the division of the land. And Joshua's obedience was also manifested in the process of dividing the land among the 12 tribes of Israel. It was done as unto the Lord. This had been prophesied in the book of Genesis. We talked about that already. This had been laid down and prophesied by Moses. We see it coming to fruition. Glory to God. God is so faithful to bring us to our promised land if we obey him. Okay, the second principle here is that each tribe had its own ownership of the land. We see how God blessed each tribe differently and set boundaries for each tribe. Very important. And uh, really, what is the importance of, uh, we talked about how each tribe had its uh, boundary Really, the key significance there is that each tribe was unique. God wanted boundaries surrounding each tribe to set them apart so they can have ownership or claim ownership of their own land. Really, that actually fostered loyalty among each tribe or among each clan. And also the importance of uh, having boundaries or separation from tribe to tribe was really to promote responsibility. Okay, each tribe or clan was responsible for maintaining their own land. 
okay? And also it fosters privilege, a sense of privilege that God actually favored them. And also the third reason why these boundaries were significant was because it reduced conflict among the tribes. So each tribe knows that this is my land, that is your land. And of course, the last one, it fulfills God's purpose. Let me go over this again because this has direct application to our personal life. Let's go over again the significance of the boundaries that God set for each of the 12 tribes. Number one, it fostered ownership of their own possession, which really enhanced their loyalty. It just made them feel really loyal. Okay, and God really favored them. Number two, it promoted responsibility and a sense of privilege. They were responsible to care for their own property. Number three, it decreased conflict. So there would be minimal confusion among the, among the tribes as to who owns what. So this division of the land with boundaries reduced conflict. And number four, it fulfilled God's promise to the nation of Israel. So really, what is the direct application here? In each of our lives, God deals with each of us differently. We have boundaries. God, God deals with each of us differently as we obey him. It's not that God chooses to favor some and not to favor others. It's as we obey the Lord, <laughs> he deals with us on an individual basis. As Christians, we have a relationship, a covenant relationship with the only true living God through Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God deals with each of us as a unique person and collectively as a church. God has his specific will for his church. All true Christians, Protestants, Catholics, and the Orthodox, we are true followers of Jesus Christ. God has a will for the church, for his church, and he has specific will for each of our lives. He deals with us uniquely within the confines of his revealed word. So it is really up to us to be obedient. It is up to us to act swiftly in accordance with his leading in our lives. Just like Joshua was talking to these other seven tribes. What is taking you guys so long to go possess the land? God is speaking to you right now. What is taking you so long to act in faith to go fulfill that promise he has placed in your heart? He has set specific boundaries in your life to guide and lead you into your promised land. What's taking you so long? God has specific plans for your life with specific boundaries where he will lead you and guide you. The kind of people he will bring into your life to help you fulfill that promise and get you into your promised land. It's the same principle in our individual lives that we see in the collective nation of Israel. And most importantly, which is a running theme across the entire Bible and specifically in the book of Joshua, God is faithful to his word. God is faithful, faithful, faithful to his word. It is us, his children, who always, always let God down. We see how God prophesied to Abraham that he will take him to a promised land and bless his descendants. We see how God was long-suffering and patient with the nation of Israel. The first generation died 
We discussed that in the book of Numbers. But in God's faithfulness, he raised up a second generation under the leadership of Moses and Joshua, and Joshua successfully took them into the promised land. And we see how God is working through Joshua to fulfill his promise, all 12 tribes of Joshua, rather, all 12 tribes of Israel are being blessed. They are inheriting their possession in the promised land. God did it. God did it just like he wants to do the same in our lives. But our job is to obey him. Our job is to obey him and trust him. Okay. I hope you receive that in Jesus name. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Oh God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us even when we don't love ourselves. You are a God who is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to you, Father God. In the same way that you blessed the 12 tribes of Israel, their inheritance were faithfully divided. We know you've blessed us abundantly, exceedingly, even more as New Testament believers. Father, we ask you through your Holy Spirit to strengthen us so we can walk by faith and receive our blessings and walk in our promised land. For we know it is your will that we live a prosperous life, a blessed life, so that you can be glorified and we can be blessed. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that goes before us today to lead and guide us and to strengthen us. We ask all this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. Today is a day the Lord has made, so rejoice in it as you proceed with the rest of your day. I am Chris Horan. Goodbye.